0: What is going on everyone? Welcome to GT Radio. So we are back and today we'll just jump into it. Today we want to talk about why are you dieting and exercising and you're making absolutely no progress whatsoever. So we'll let you'll kick it off right. because I will ramble. I will ramble on about this. So, okay, what is the first thing that we want to address when it comes to why are you not making progress with diet and exercise?
1: Oh, well, I mean, aside of all the multiple variables that you said that you would ramble on, um, (laughs) (laughs) the biggest thing is calories, um, where are your macronutrients for those that may not be tracking macros or know what macros are? Protein, carbs, fats, all right? So not knowing where those, if they're in the proper ratios, those types of things. Uh, Diet history, what you've done in the past affects what takes place now. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the biggest things. And just basically, you know, in a nutshell, eating too little calories, too high of exercise or energy expenditure, call it what you want, um, that's affecting other functions that's disrupting metabolism.
0: Cause like, as we know, like, I just want to kind of touch on the whole calorie thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually more to dieting than just calories in versus calories out. Yep. Um, and I think that if you think that it you're, you're wrong, you're, you're wrong. And you're, you're misguided because there's a lot more than just how many calories you're in, or let's just try to go like go in on like a thousand calorie diet to start something off. Um, In fact, low calories is not the answer Um, because, you know, obviously when you have these individuals out there who they're eating on low calories, because that's just Mm -hmm. what people tend to think and just, oh, I'll just eat as little as I can and I will exercise as much as I can or do as much cardio as I can. But they end up getting frustrated because they're not seeing the progress with that. But what people, they don't understand is that you have to actually eat not like a substantial amount of calories, but at least more calories in able in, in order to drop weight. Yeah. Now, why, why is that? Can you explain why that is? Why do we need to have like, why do I need to eat more calories to drop weight?
1: So, I mean, the thing is, is, kind of to really kind of touch on that but i don't want to go in too much depth with that we'll
0: keep it general. let's keep it general okay we'll just we'll just touch upon like the key things but i just want to give like because think about it some people out there may be watching this and they're Mm -hmm. like well why so maybe just kind of give them like a brief why low calories yeah like you know the magical why it doesn't work and why do you get caught up in frustration
1: well first off you have to understand the concept uh you know of of basic you know physiology and in how your body processes food but to kind of make this more simplified your body has the ability you know food is energy right so therefore in order for metabolism to function you need food in order to do that now of course seems like very common sense thing to say that you you need we need food right but at the same time when we think about it with a diet the first thing that someone wants to do is, well, I'm just going to drop calories. This is going to be my calories. And then the more calories I drop, the faster my weight should, I should lose the weight and be done with it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not always that simple. Okay. There's a lot of things that your body really functions on. One in particular is your thyroid, right? Thyroid gland produces certain hormones that regulate or um yeah regulate your metabolism essentially
0: and people don't understand that people they don't think about thyroid when it comes time to Mm -hmm. diet they're just like cut calories and then like the biggest myth we hear is like oh i'm hungry so my metabolism must be on fire your metabolism's not on fire when you're dieting folks
1: yeah i mean exactly i mean it doesn't always mean that your initial dropping calories all automatically your thyroid stops functioning over time your thyroid will down regulate Mm -hmm. or stop responding at an optimal level where most people kind of start witnessing um, plateaus or they don't see the weight loss Mm -hmm. I mean excited a lot of other symptoms that really kind of play a role with that but Um, that's the biggest thing is that they'll plateau and they think that, oh, it must be time to change something up. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the change up needs to be increase your damn calories back up and stop dieting on such low calories and understand and educate yourself on how to diet properly and how to diet healthy to kind of have longevity and keeping the body weight off. Mm
0: -hmm. Now let's also go into activity output because when you have a combination of, dieting on low calories, and your activity is through the roof, that right there is just the perfect equation Mm -hmm. for not seeing progress.
1: Yeah. And that's a great point that you mentioned, because kind of like you said, is if calories are low, you're dieting, you're also exercising a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, um six days a week something in that manner
0: or seven days because people they don't like taking days off
1: another one we see that's pretty often is two a days right people they'll go to the gym they'll do it twice a day yeah um so things like that is all a stressor right it's Mm -hmm. actually a stressor on the body which the stress hormone cortisol tends to completely start um staying elevated now, when you exercise, you're going to have an acute response or a sharp response of cortisol being elevated, but then it usually drops back down normal to baseline. Mm-hmm. Over time, with a constant deficit in calories and a constant high volume or exercise regimen, the, the longer and longer you're having that um that stressor, mm-hmm. cortisol is going to affect how the thyroid functions too.
0: Absolutely. And then I mean, not to mention, like, we don't have this in our notes, but just kind of like a little added factor here. Also, too, higher cortisol does keep insulin high.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And
0: if insulin is staying high, you're becoming insulin resistant. So all of those carbohydrates that you may be consuming, or maybe you're not consuming, um, you can still be insulin resistant. And all of those, all the, the carbs or the little bit of carbs that you do consume is no longer getting transported into the mitochondria of the cell, but rather sitting in the bloodstream and just circulating, causing insulin to be high, really causing no progress to happen because cortisols elevate it, and it's really just a big domino effect. Yeah. And people don't even realize what they're doing when they're just trying to, you know, oh, as you know, little calories in, excessive calories out.
1: Yeah, I mean, and for those of you that, or maybe not very well versed. So I've never heard about a whole bunch of terms in terms of like insulin mm-hmm. sensitivity and insulin resistance. Basically, what Taryn's referring to is that when you're insulin resistance, basically in short, that means your body doesn't have the ability to utilize carbohydrate as a as efficient as it should. Yeah. Whereas insulin sensitivity is kind of shows. How efficient your body is at utilizing carbohydrate intake.
0: Well, yeah. well, we're gonna make a video on that topic specifically. So yeah, we yeah, we'll we get won't into get into that. Sure. But I just wanted to to touch on that because what I in my mind, and just understanding physiology and being a coach, is just thinking when somebody's stressed out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what what's elevated? Cortisol. What does cortisol affect? Insulin. Yeah. And it becomes just like this whole like, like they say shit rolls downhill. It's basically mm-hmm. the same thing when it comes to like the different functions of the body. Yeah, one thing gets thrown off, you best believe it's affecting something else within the body. Yeah, and I mean the body is always going to try to fight to be back into homeostasis, but it's like you're the one causing this to happen mm-hmm. because you're in your head or you're not educated on how to properly diet, exercise, or the gas back off.
1: Yeah. Knowing type when of to thing. make that call is important. Exactly.
0: So I think that is going to also lead us into diet history too. Yes. Um because with if you're somebody who you are an excessive dieter, you are just someone who you're always trying to diet or let's say you're a yo-yo dieter, like you you go into these extremes and then you you binge eat because it's too extreme and you just go back and forth with all that more than likely your metabolism is is downregulated yeah It, Yeah, it, it can be you know and that because you have a history of that or a history of dieting now it's also playing into other systems of the body so again we touched upon cortisol Um, And then the next one is, you know, recovery. Because in order to bring that cortisol down, you have to recover.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And how do you recover? Explain to everybody, how do you recover when your cortisol is high or how to bring it down?
1: I mean, typically when I'm working with someone um, that's a client and I kind of see these trends, uh, what I'll do is I'll take them out of a calorie deficit. I'll put them in maintenance calories um, where they're not in a deficit. Mm-hmm. I'll reduce exercise or physical activity. And then I'll also have someone try to focus on something from a mental standpoint, whether it be meditation, taking some time for yourself to kind of um, kind self-care from a mental, psychological standpoint. Like a is a
0: stressor type of Absolutely. thing?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Something like that. So there should be systems in place. Uh, Sleep is another big one. Yes. Uh, Making sure that you're getting adequate amount of sleep. Make sure that you also have kind of a regimen prior to sleep, making sure that, you know, um, like
0: cutting off electronics, like yeah. an hour or two before yeah. you go to bed, having a cool, like cool, dark room.
1: Yep. Eliminating blue light, things. that kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. Those, those all play into that as well. And sleep is a huge factor when it comes to also bringing down cortisol. Sure. Yeah. Because if, I mean, if people, I mean, what's the biggest thing of recover? or when's the biggest time we recover is when we sleep. Yeah.
1: Hormones are recovering when you sleep, yeah, and how well of a quality of sleep you have kind of determines how much you're recovering.
0: Absolutely. And you can do things like melatonin. Um I personally take um can't think of the name. What is it? Uh liposoma, like relaxed liposoma mm-hmm. by uh by New Ethics Lab. That's that definitely has been helping me sleep. Um so there's things that you can do with that as well. Now with all of these other factors Cause I don't know if you guys are realizing this, but we're kind of building like a pyramid here. Obviously the bottom one was dieting, lack of progress. And the next one was cortisol recovery. Now the next one after that was thyroid. And then now let's touch upon the sex hormones. How does all of these things, how do they impact sex hormones?
1: Um, I mean, some of them can definitely for a woman, you know, if you've been dieting for a long time, or in some cases, when women get extremely lean outside of what their body is used to, um, you know, certain things are really kind of starting to kind of be impacting hormones, things like um progesterone. Progesterone mm-hmm. is, you know, the one that when it gets low, women tend to lose their cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually we see more in cases whenever a woman's maybe in prep contest prep yeah. in the physique world. Yeah.
0: Um, also too, um, we're touching upon that with, with women specifically who diet, um, obviously, I mean, it impacts males and females, mm -hmm. of course, you know, both of them are, are impacted by, by dieting. Um, but females tend to be more negatively impacted than a male, because think about it. We have a lot more moving parts in regards to hormones specifically fluctuating.
1: Yeah. I mean, in particular, because of the loss of the cycle yeah. is um, obviously something that plays a role in a lot of things.
0: Well, of course. Um, but for women, it's like when we lose our cycle, obviously, pedestrian drops. Mm-hmm. Um, estrogen is is probably bottomed out, too. And once you're coming back out of that, like out of that contest prep, you tend to become estrogen dominant because pedestrian is still staying low, Yeah, but that estrogen is always going to be up on the rise.
1: Yeah. You'll see estrogen start to climb a little more quicker than um, progesterone. Mm-hmm. So as estrogen's coming up, progesterone may be at not a slight lower rate, right? Mm-hmm. It might take much longer. That's why you'll see someone that if they lose their cycle, um, takes so it can take a while um, for them to regain that. Um, Back,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then, I mean, not to mention too, for women specifically, yes, we do have testosterone, Mm
1: -hmm. but it's
0: not as much as males. Um, But for a woman, a woman dieter specifically, especially if she's always dieting like every year or just that chronic dieter, you're never giving your body a chance to allow your testosterone to naturally come up because for women, it takes a while for our natural test to come up. Um, now do you want to touch upon maybe, um, like some signs and symptoms of if your hormones are off? Um, do, do you want to go into that or what do you want to do?
1: I mean, we can, um, I mean, mean, we don't have
0: to go like more referring to
1: signs and symptoms of a a thyroid hormones or so, or more so in regards to referring to for the sex hormones.
0: I think we should touch upon maybe a little bit of both. I mean, I know they can, they're both very complex topics, but maybe let's just touch upon the general. Mm -hmm. And then from there we can carry over to, well, how do you know if this is actually the case? Getting blood work done.
1: I mean, I guess the problem is, is that there are so many different factors that it can affect signs and symptoms of these things being off. So for example, fatigue, tired, um, can be both. Uh, hormone in regards to thyroid function, but it can also be in regards for testosterone being low, Mm -hmm. whether it's uh, male or female in this case. So it's not really so much gender specific in terms of the symptom. Yeah. Now with thyroid, cold body temperature, brittle hair or hair loss.
0: Nails. Nails being
1: brittle, uh, skin, um, which can be an overlapping because low testosterone in a woman also is problematic for skin health too.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and of course, with estrogen as well. But so there's some overlap there. As far as being tired and fatigue, if you're in prep, it kind of comes with the territory of, right. of being tired and fatigue too. So that's why most, most of the time when someone's been dieting for a long time, it's never really thought out, oh, it might be my thyroid. And it shouldn't be something that what we're putting out as an additional stressor mm-hmm. for you to wonder, oh, my thyroid might be messed up. But, um, so that's one of the things is tired, fatigue. There's some overlap with both sex hormones and thyroid.
0: Also too, if you become estrogen dominant, because let's say you've been dieting for a while, uh, females, you lost your cycle. Uh, pedestrian is obviously bottomed out. Estrogen is on the rise. Your estrogen can 100% negatively impact your thyroid and and cause more symptoms of, you know, Like it becomes more simple, symptomatic for thyroid issues.
1: Can be, yeah, absolutely.
0: So it, it's again, it's one of these things where it's a domino effect. If one thing's off, it's going to affect every other system in your body. And if you are estrogen dominant or you have thyroid issues, obviously those things do tie into one another. It also causes GI issues.
1: Great point. Tons I mean, a of lot GI of times issues. You see, for a woman is. um, chronic constipation. That's yes. probably the biggest. Bloat. Uh, yeah. And bloat. Yeah. There's another big one. Bloating um, and, con- and chronic constipation is probably the two biggest things that you see.
0: Absolutely. With those
1: things being a problem.
0: Now, the only way to really know for sure, like, man, like, I feel like my hormones are off, but how do you know for sure? Is go and get blood panels done. Yep. Now, the blood panels that we tell our clients to get it's not your basic blood panel that if you go to a doctor, mm-hmm. women specifically, they'll go to like their, uh, their OBGYN yeah. and they'll just run a very, very basic panel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had some of my clients do this and I'm like, when I get their, their results back and I review their labs, there's absolutely nothing I can really tell them because I don't have all the other labs where they all piece together. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really important to understand what labs to get done because that's, what's going to tell you the full story. Because again, remember shit rolls downhill. So if one thing's affected more than likely there's other hormones that are being impacted as well. So it's good to know these things and it's good to know what levels to get done specifically.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would recommend, like, for anybody that's going to be listening in or uh, watching, um, if that's something that you're looking to pursue as far as going and get blood work and and you need information in regards to what labs, you can always reach out to myself or Taryn, and we can always kind of at least give you the guidance of knowing what you should be looking for. Absolutely. Uh, And I I agree with you. That's always an uphill battle because with most... um, most primary care doctors or OBs they don't see the point. They have a very standardized lab panel yeah. that's ran and most of these different panels that really tell the bigger picture often aren't covered under insurance yeah. or things like that. So again, they don't even wanna run these panels mm-hmm. because it's kind of a headache for, for your uh for your care.
0: Yeah. And it does I mean it does depend on the doctor, because I've had some female yep. clients where they be, they've been going to their primary forever for like basically their whole entire life. Mm-hmm. And the primary doctor really has no problem running these these tests. Yeah. Um, but that's the, the fortunate ones. Um, but the ones where the doctor's like, oh, well, we'll just test TSH and, you know, estrogen. That's not enough. That's not enough to really give us the full story or just T4, not T3. Um, so that's why when it comes to getting blood work done, you need to make sure you're getting all the panels that you need done, done. And again, reach out to one of us. If you're like, well, what panels do I need specifically? Mm -hmm. We'll be more than happy to share that information. And I did make a post about this, um, on my Instagram page on what levels to get done. So if you need references to that, Mm -hmm. reach out to me specifically, and I'll be more than happy to share that information. Um, now, once someone gets their hormones done, mm-hmm. right, us as coaches, like we're seeing what's going on, you know, for, for like our ladies out there, our lady clients, um, if they are estrogen dominant, you know, there are, supp- there are supplementation protocols that we provide our female clients with to help the imbalances more specifically between estrogen and pedestrians. Because those are the two main common ones that mm-hmm. that we tend to yeah, see.
1: there's some supplements that can definitely uh, help. Yeah. Now, is it going to be something that oh, in a month after you start these supplements, Absolutely it's going to fix things? Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, these things take time. You know, regardless mm-hmm. if you're just letting things naturally, hoping that these things kind of fix themselves, or if you're sub doing, you know, a good sound nutrition program that kind of complements what you're. Which you're trying to um, recover, as well as supplementation. Again, it takes time. And the only way to truly see these things, to see if these things are go back, get more blood work, Mm -hmm. and do a compare and contrast to see if if things have actually improved. Absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm. And I mean, and then also too, I mean, there are some things that you can do in regards to diet specifically. Now, if you're trying to get your hormones back, you don't want to be in a calorie deficit. Like, You don't. And you don't want to have a very, very high, like high training causing more stress on the body, causing cortisol to rise. Because remember, all of this stuff is a domino effect. They all play into one another. Um, So, you know, some things that you can throw in there nutritionally, and I'll just kind of drop a little bit of info on this, is um, broccoli um, also Brussels sprouts. The reason why I say those two mm-hmm. things specifically is because they have dim in them. Yeah. Dim helps metabolize estrogen, um, especially estrone, the, the bad estrogen, it helps mm. bring those levels down. Um, broccoli too is a great, did I say broccoli? You did say I broccoli. did say broccoli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So those are great. And then also seed cycling. Um, this is something that actually I started to get into. And, you know, the, the seeds have certain properties or have, they have certain, you know, minerals in them that naturally help estrogen, like keep it in, in check. And then also, uh, pedestrian, and it's based upon what phase of your menstrual cycle you're on is where you're cycling out these seeds. Um, so I'm not going to get into specifics on that, but if you have questions on that, you can reach out to me and I'll be more than happy to share that information. Um, but once you have blood work done, um, at least for us as coaches, that's really when we come up with a protocol because everybody's different. Everybody yeah. should be treated as an individual and your hormones, your hormone panels is what really validates what protocol do we need to, do we need to yeah, follow? In
1: most cases, before we like take on the onboarding process for a client, you know, we're not always like, all right, we need to get blood work before you can actually work with us but if you do have a you know within your health history or your questionnaire mm-hmm. that you're sending back that we provide for you if you have any kind of suspicion of things that might be roadblocks for working with us in the in the long run then we mm-hmm. yeah we do require to do we recommend strongly recommend to do some blood work
0: Absolutely. just to
1: where we're not spinning our wheels and we're we're doing things in reverse right no one wants to go and be put in some in a in a specific program that's well thought out only to find out the protocol isn't working yeah. regardless of what we do and then we have to go we have to back up yeah. and do blood work to find that out in the first place
0: absolutely well, also too something that I have that I got um is a it's like a survey on on females specifically mm-hmm. on like hey, do you feel like like category a do you feel this symptom, this symptom, this symptom, and then you check off what symptoms you feel and then tally it up. And then like, I have different categories like that. And mm-hmm. as the female checks these symptoms off yeah, once or once she sends it back to me, I tally it up. And that really kind of helps me also determine what is going on with them. Yeah. So even prior to, um, you know, starting that process and just mm-hmm. spinning our wheels, because obviously I can't see, Your hormones inside your body. I'm only going off of feedback. Yeah. But sometimes women, they don't really, you know, if they're tired all the time, they may think, well, that's just how it is. I'm just tired, or you know what I mean?
1: And you also brought up a good thought that I I wanted you to kind of tell to especially your uh, female audience is that if they are looking to go get blood work, Mm -hmm. um, there's a specific time.
0: That yes. you should get blood
1: work as well. Can you kind of explain that a little bit?
0: Absolutely. So the specific time, well, it depends on what we're looking at. But usually when I tell my females, hey, go get blood work done. It's always within their luteal phase. It's always between days 19 and 22 of the menstrual cycle. Um, and the reason for this is because in your luteal phase, pedestrian should actually start, like, start to come up um that should be the the dominant hormone during this time now for a female who it's the other way around where let's say estrogen's higher but progesterone's bottomed out that's an indication right there that you're estrogen dominant now we like to calculate the ratio between estrogen and progesterone yeah and that's really how we determine you know, are you estrogen dominant? Are you not estrogen dominant?
1: Yeah. And that helps to look at a lot of things, just because if you're estrogen dominant it can affect thyroid function. Again, like I said, there's some overlap in symptoms. There's also some overlap and correlations to causing problems and on different things. So.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Well, um, hopefully that was insightful for you guys. We'll go ahead and we will wrap this up. And if you guys have any questions or feedback about anything that we said you're more than welcome to reach out to myself or Gillis. We have all of our information listed below. Um, Rather than that, that's all.
1: That's it. Till next time.